0: Hello my sister friends. Welcome back to another episode of the grace Filled Leader Podcast. I'm so excited for you to hear today's show. We have a very, very special guest with us. Beatrice Vargas, the host of the Grace-Fueled Wife Podcast is with us. Just to share a little bit about Beatrice, 11 years ago Beatrice came home from a business trip to an empty apartment after her husband had walked out on her. Devastated and determined, Beatrice went on a journey to understand what went wrong in her marriage and to figure out what was in her power to fix. Through that journey and her fierce faith, Beatrice reunited with her husband, where they now enjoy a deeply connected marriage and a joyful life with their two children in New York City. Today, Beatrice is helping thousands of women do the same hopefully before they come home to an empty apartment. She is a globally recognized Christian marriage coach, an international speaker, and host of Grace Field Wife Podcast, which is ranked in the top 1.5% globally. She has a BS in business management, a certification in prepare and rich, and will soon have a master's in marriage and family therapy. With 15 plus years of experience coaching families across the globe, she helps Christian wives overcome miscommunication to experience greater connection in marriage by implementing her grace-fueled marriage method. So without further ado, let's get into part one of my conversation with Beatrice. Welcome to the grace Filled Leader Podcast. Do you want better work-life balance? Do you get stuck in patterns of perfectionism and people-pleasing? Have you always been an overachiever, but never really feel good enough, no matter how much outward success you achieve? Do you want more time for the things that matter most? Hi, I'm Tanya, a wife, mom, leader, certified Christian life coach, and Jesus lover. For most of my life, I tried to find worthiness through achievement, But no matter how hard i worked or how much i achieved i never felt like i was enough i was left burned out empty and exhausted i had no time or energy for myself or my family i needed balance i needed peace my life changed when i finally started to live like an unconditionally loved daughter of the king saved by grace this faith-led podcast will teach you time management self-care routines, and practical leadership strategies to help you navigate life and leadership. If you're ready to become fueled by grace and free from people-pleasing, if you're ready to multiply your time and impact as a Christian woman in leadership, this podcast is for you. Unbutton your blazers and roll up your sleeves, sister friends. It's time to get after it. Beatrice, welcome to the Graceville Leader Podcast. I'm so excited to have you on the show.
1: I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much,
0: Tanya, for having me. For our listeners that aren't maybe familiar with with Mm -hmm. you, can you tell them a little bit about who you are and who you serve? Yes,
1: sure. Uh, so my name is Beatrice Vargas. I am the host of the Grace Fueled Wife podcast. Uh, I am a wife and a mom of two, and um also a full-time student for marriage and family therapies. So I've got like all the things going on. Uh, but through my podcast, the Grace Fueled Wife, I help Christian women who are struggling in their marriages. Basically, uh, I'd like to say I help them stop fighting with their husbands and communicate clearly, because a lot of what uh, goes wrong in our marriages is communication. But in my personal uh, marriage story, my husband and I were separated for about nine months, And at the time, I had no resources for me. I had nowhere to go, right? This was, maybe it was 10 years ago. There was, podcasts were just starting to come out. There was maybe a few books. So it was basically me, my Bible, and like three books. And it was like, how am I going to fight for my marriage? How am I going to try to save my marriage when my husband's not interested? He's out the door. He's left me. And here I am by myself. And it wasn't any sort of abusive a situation or infidelity, anything like that. It was more, he was desperately crying for help in terms of what was going wrong in our marriage. And then everybody around me was like, oh, well, what's wrong with him? He's stupid. He's this, he's that. How could he leave you? Right? So what does that leave the woman who's trying to fight for her marriage? I felt like I had no support and no one to talk to and no one to just like walk that path who wasn't going to judge my husband who wasn't going to judge me and who's going to really help me through. So, uh, so many years and, you know, God moments later, here I am. And I've tried to become that woman for other people who want to hold on to their marriage and they want support. And, you know, maybe they need some tactical skills, like learning how to communicate better, which is where the marriage and family therapy training comes in. But a lot of it is just who is out there who's doing this from a Christian perspective? And I can tell you right now, there's no one out there who's doing it from a Christian's perspective who's speaking specifically to the wife. Can you right. find a lot of Christian podcasts where it's the couple speaking to you? Absolutely, there's tons. Uh, but very few are speaking specifically to the wife. And you said you were binging my show. So, you <laughs> know, 95% of my episodes speak specifically to the wife. I do have a few, um, you know, where that could relate to the couple in general, but basically, I mean, what, what is, what happens, right? Our husbands are like, "Mm," you know, they, they just don't show, I'm going to, I'm using air quotes because I realize (laughs) this is audio only, but they don't show the same level of interest we would like for them to show, right? They're not, they're not reading the books. They're not doing all the things they're not rushing out there to do the marriage retreat. Some are, and God (laughs) bless you women who are married to them, but right. most of them don't listen to my show. Right. Mine's not one of
0: those either. Yeah.
1: So. And it doesn't mean it's he's bad, right? My husband's right. a great man. We have a loving, connected, wonderful marriage. He is my best friend. I love him. He's amazing, but he's not that guy. Right. He's just he's just not I we were actually this morning and until a little tip because I wanted uh, for my birthday, there was this candle. I live in New York City, so there's this candlelight concert thing where they uh, it's like classical instruments like guitar, uh, violins and stuff in candlelight in these beautiful venues. And they play like popular music like Rihanna or Beyonce, but it's all instrumental with the, wow. with the um, violin. So it's like a really nice date night. And I had sent him one that I really wanted to go to the like the weekend of my birthday. He never, phew, over his head, <laughs> didn't even. And then he's like, oh, yeah, the thing is up again. Do you want to buy tickets? And I'm like, oh. <laughs> But again, doesn't make him a bad guy. It's just this is how men run, right? So it's okay.
0: It's just how he is. So tell me, you alluded to to that. So tell me about your personal journey of going to really kind of a broken marriage. And I hear you saying, you know, unlike a lot of women who, you know, their husband leaves them, you aren't just all dishing it on him. You've had a journey that gave you insight about yourself as a wife. Talk me through that journey of kind of what got you and your marriage back to that place of victory and then led you to serving other women to try to help them rebuild marriage.
1: Sure. Um, I think for me, it was understanding because when that sort of thing happens, you know, when when you wake up one morning and yeah, sure, we had months of uh, fighting and like a uh, really uh, issues in our marriage but to wake up one morning or come home from essentially what happened was I came home from a business trip to an empty apartment like there's that there, yeah. what happens there right, the, right. what is a feeling like there so yeah it's easy it was easy for me or for anybody to be like how dare he he's wrong blah blah blah, blah and and put all the blame on him but essentially what happened was that wasn't serving me Right. Wasn't serving me because wasn't keeping my eyes on my own paper. Right. Right. I wasn't like if I just sit there and I'm like, oh, he's the bad one. And then just, you know, he's got to change. He's got to do this. He's got to do that. It wasn't helping me to realize, well, where did I have to change? What what did I have to contribute in, in this case? Right. And for a lot of my like a lot of my clients and listeners sometimes you know, they're in spaces where their husbands are maybe some like mentally or verbally abusive, or maybe there was some infidelity. So they even have more of he's the bad guy, I've done nothing. Yeah. But I think in and which since that wasn't my case, maybe it was a little bit easier. So I recognize that it might have been a little bit easier for me than for other people. But I think with every relationship and, or every breakdown in, in a marriage, if there's any marriage and there's a breakdown, it's never 100% of one person's fault. Right. And what we have to do is take ownership of whatever our percent is. And for some people it's 1%. For some people it's 50%. Whatever that looks like, for some people it's more. But as long as you can take ownership of an accountability for what you've contributed to the problem, I think that's the first step into moving your marriage forward. So I try to tell my students like we, we try to change our husbands, right? We think we can change yes. them. Like, oh, if they can do this, if they can do that, he's done this wrong, he's done that wrong. But the problem is he's a full grown man, right? Right. We change babies, right? We don't change adults. If we try to change him, we emasculate him. And what's that doing for you? Like what is like emasculating him? And not, you may not even mean to, but that's what it's communicating to him. What is that doing to him is not helping your cause. No, And so if we, yeah. So if we turn around and then say, okay, I'm going to look at my own paper, which is why, um, one of the things I talk about on my show a lot is boundaries. So if I, if I'm going to, you know, use proper boundaries and look at my own paper, then I'm going to stop trying to change him and going to work on what I have going on for myself. And then you will see the fruit of that. Right. So like, um, you know, God's word says, um we my people will be known by their fruit yes so if we're to be grace so we're we're similar in that you're the grace-fueled leader and I'm the grace-fueled wife which is part of why I was like girl we need to we need to collaborate that's right (laughs) right but if we're gonna be fuels with grace this is what I tell my wives like I want I want personally I want them personally to be so Filled with grace, so fueled. That's why I use the word "fueled with grace." That, like all the ugly things going on in their heart, is just overflowing, right? So, if you have a cup, and maybe it's there's a a coffee cup, and there's black Mm. coffee in it. If you continue to pour clean water through that cup, eventually all the black will come out, right? Will be filled with just clean water, and so that's the image that I. Think of And then I try to pass on is like, that is the level and amount of grace and love and, and God's forgiveness and all this other stuff that I want to be filled with, because God's word says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when we're filled with all that grace, all of a sudden, that's what comes out. And then Mm -hmm. you disarm him, right? It's not about manipulating, but you disarm not just your husband, but anybody else around you, right? When there's that saying, like, uh, you get more bees with honey, right? Right. (laughs) So it's more of like, when that's how you speak, when the uh, flavor of grace colors, your words and flavors, Mm -hmm. your your words and your actions, that's sweet, like honey, all of a sudden people soften around you. And that's how we change our circumstance. That's how we change the atmosphere around us. That's how we change the temperature in the room and the home is, is that starting there and then letting it overflow.
0: Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That visual is great. Right. And then as you're overflowing with grace, like you said, that is what you're emitting. And, you know, I often speak to professional women and women in leadership and we and speak to that same thing that we need to be first filled with God's grace so that that is what is overflowing. And we can be grace giving as leaders, as wives, as moms, as leaders, as as professionals. And that is what that is what will change your circumstances. It's not about changing. Like you said, we. No matter how much we might we might want to, God can change hearts, but we can't change other people. We have control over what we can do, say, or think ourselves. So yeah. I love that. And many of our, you mentioned boundaries, and I think that's just a great segue because we talk a lot about, on the show, we talk a lot about people pleasing and that approval seeking. And, you know, many of my listeners are very high achievers And they often get to a place of burnout or feeling almost invisible either in life, in their marriage, because they've been the yes person and they've given and said yes and struggled to set boundaries to the point that they have nothing left for themselves, their families, their marriage. I hear you speaking to kind of the victory you've had around setting boundaries and you you talk about. I'd like to hear more about the paper you talk about the paper about what boundary setting looks like to you and how do you help that woman who's struggling now to set boundaries without feeling guilty to do it in a a grace-giving loving way
1: it, the how i set boundaries in my marriage and uh and how i do it for the rest of the world without feeling guilty is is a little bit different okay and i think it was uh where in my marriage, the the first place for me that boundaries became an issue is what I had already talked about, is like understanding like what's his, you know, keeping what's he got going on over there. That's what you were saying about the paper, keeping my eyes on my own paper. Right. And for me, what was it I could change about me? Mm-hmm. Uh I think for me in my own marriage, keeping boundaries for myself, I had to keep my faith as that was a boundary because that was my relationship with God was something that I wasn't going to let that get in the way uh, or let or my marriage, let's say, get in the way of that. Because for, in my story, my husband was an unbeliever and I had came to the Lord after, and that was one of the reasons why we separated. He was like, mm-hmm. I don't want some crazy Christian wife. So that part ended up becoming for me a really important piece where uh my relationship with the lord had to be paramount yes for everything else and not to a place where you know there's a difference between my relationship with the lord is everything but then that also means that now i'm serving a ministry and this and that and then now i'm saying yes to everything that the church will ask me to do
0: yes. to the
1: detriment to my family because right. i've done that right mm-hmm. and i've done that and and seen the some bad effects on my own family because of it and their walk in their faith because that caused them to be resentful of things going on at the church. So you don't want to do that. So I think part of it is understanding why are we people pleasing?
0: Right. Anybody,
1: right? Why? What is it that you're looking for? And, and I, you and I had talked about this. So when we understand that I am a daughter of the God most high,
0: Yes. Amen.
1: I don't need anybody else's validation. Right. Appreciation, you know, this, that I may want it and it may feel good when it comes, but I don't need it. And then understanding, I think the not feeling guilty part uh, for myself in my own life, I think, I think of my, my self care because I'm a people pleaser. I will say yes to I have I'm the oldest of nine. Mm. So my brothers and sisters need something, my mom needs something, my dad needs something, forget it, my husband needs something, the kids <laughs> need something. Like everybody needs something. Everybody's like taking from me, right? Yes, yes. And what happens when if, when that happens, then I I don't have time to go to the gym. I don't have time to do things that make me feel good. All of a sudden now I'm feeling down. And I'm sure, uh, you know, your listeners have heard this, but this is one of those things that I, it's like one of my mantras I remind myself of is that I cannot pour from an empty cup. Yes. So if I don't take time, if I don't set that personal time for me, and I don't think of it like self-care is like just getting my nails done. It's more of like, what are the things that I really need that make me really feel connected that make me feel like I can go out there and conquer the world. And right. for me, one of them is like my morning devotional time, or whatever. But if I don't give myself that, cause that's a gift, then I can't give anybody else because I'm angry because I'm irritable because I can't think straight because my brain is all over the place because I'm forgetting appointments because of for all the reasons, you know, which is why they say like, you know, you put your mask on first, it's the right. same idea. And that's the part that that's the thought that I, I think of like, I won't make myself feel. I won't allow myself to feel guilty, because if I'm not around, if I'm not healthy, if I'm not able to do these things, then what? Because it's happened where I'll run myself so ragged, and and I suffer from migraines. All of a mm. sudden, I'm I'm out. I have a yeah. migraine, and I'm done. And I'm like laying in bed, and it's six p.m., and I cannot even look at my family. Right, and then. So what good was all that? What good was all that running around? What good was all that stress? When now, now my husband has to like pick up the slack and do take, take everything off my plate. Mm -hmm. I think the other thing is also um, the humility to know that you don't have to do it all. Right. And that's so hard Mm -hmm. because as people pleasers, we feel like we've got to do it all so many times, but that, where does that come from? Again, I think yeah. it comes from like a, a vulnerability, a lack of right. of feeling safe and vulnerable, because we don't want to rely, at least for me personally, but I, I know I'm not the only one to whom this applies, where I feel like I can't rely on other people. Right. Like, going back to like my marriage and family therapy, like my marriage therapy background, like you know, there's things go- that have gone on in my past that have taught me, whether I realize it or not, that I can't rely on other people. So I have to just, I'll just do it. Right. And I now can't ask for help because what if they don't come through? They're going to let me down. Right. And I don't want to open myself up. I don't want to be vulnerable enough to do that, to allow right. somebody to let me down. So then I'll just do it myself.
0: Yes. Right. So true. Or, you know, they're just patterns of behavior that somehow are a coping mechanism. Like you said, who knows whether it's your family of origin or something in your background where there was some sort of reward or payoff from Mm -hmm. either avoiding conflict, you know, like, oh, when I took a chance and spoke up for myself, I wasn't heard and I was, there was Mm -hmm. backlash and so it didn't work out for me. So I I know a lot, it's not worth the risk. You know, it's better to just say yes and take it all in and keep your feelings to yourself than to run the risk of upsetting someone else or not being hurt anyway.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. I think for me, even the idea, because, and I'll say this because it can happen in our families of origin. It can happen in your marriage. It can happen in a lot of different places. So I'll bring it up. But I grew up with a narcissist as uh, in my home, being somebody who was very close to me. And what I learned is that um, that person would love me. Their love for me was contingent on what I did for them. Yes. What, it was like a, what have you done for me lately? Yes. And so what it taught me very early on was that uh, I was only like worthy of love If I was doing things for that person, which is a very, very hurtful place for a child to be, or even a grown woman to be right for anybody to be is that I'm only loved if I'm, if I'm doing something for you. And that is the complete opposite of what God's love is. And what it has caused in me is this difficulty to really wrap my brain around, but how could God possibly love me when I haven't done anything for him? Right. Which then goes back to the people pleasing in the church, which which then can lead to, you know, churches are notorious for overworking their volunteers because there's so few workers. Right. And so once you find the few that say yes and that are good at it, they will all of a sudden you're leadership. Yeah, and they'll just keep asking and asking and asking. And it's like, uh, you know, and it's all in the name of the kingdom. And like (laughs) just right. And all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh. And and so then there becomes an important place we need to put boundaries there. But I think for, for at least me personally but i think it's important for the listener to understand that's why i had talked about before where does the people pleasing come from mm-hmm. you know for me it was the, in my family of origin for other people it could be all kinds of places but it was this idea of thinking because it's not truth right. right and i was listening to one of your your episodes where you were talking about like what's the thought right because i'm also a a a Certified Christian coach, so I'm like, oh, yep, yeah, I, I get that model right. So it's like, what's the thought that's creating this action? And then the thought is, if I do this, they'll love me, right? Like that's the the incorrect thought. Right. Uh, what I I like to um, what I like to teach my girls is uh, instead, like, let's look at the truth cycle. So if the lie is, if I do this, they will love me. Well, what's the truth behind it? Right. Right. Like, what is the true thought that we can replace? Because it's not actually true. Right. right? And mm-hmm. so if we look at then the truth, so what will happen is if we replace this wrong thought with what truth is, what God's truth is, what what's the actual truth, then that informs our actions. Then it informs our beliefs, your our beliefs and then our actions and our results. Exactly. And so that's kind of what I was thinking um, when it came to that.
0: Hey friends, I want you to tune in tomorrow as we continue with part two of my conversation with Beatrice. I pray this episode blessed you, spoke to you, or encouraged you in some way. If so, please share it with a friend and head on over to Apple Podcasts to leave me a review. That's the only way for me to know if you're enjoying the show. Nothing blesses me more than to hear from you. Also, come on over to our free Facebook community. This is a great place for us to support one another on our faith and leadership journeys. You can find the link to the group in the show notes or go to gracefieldleader.com forward slash community. If you have questions or content ideas for the show, please send me a message on SpeakPipe or via email. Go to gracefieldleader.com forward slash contact and leave a written or voice recorded message. I would love to know how I can best serve you on the podcast. Now to him who can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Ephesians 3 verse 20. Until next time, my friends, God bless.